Well, good morning, good morning. Let me, as I always like to do, encourage you to read, especially in light of today's message, read John chapter 19, verse 30. And there's three words in there. I want you to focus on. It is finished. Those three words. Focus on those three words as you read and dwell and you go about your daily, your daily life this week. Remember, it is finished. So let's uh, also, oh, another thing. I always want to encourage you to pray, right? So let me encourage you to be in prayer. Find someone to pray with. Pray about all the things that you have upon your heart. And pray about all the things going on in the world. Continue to pray for our brothers and sisters across the world, not only in the Ukraine area, but also in the Russia, Russian area and, and all over the world. Every place there are Christians and there is persecution that will go on. Praise God that we don't have much here. Not like it is across the world. So we are in this together and our prayers somehow make a difference. You ne- your prayer is never done in vain. God uses them. I don't know how, but He does. And that's what gives me hope. Speaking of prayer, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time together. God, uh, right now I just ask that You convict us of any sins in our life. Reveal the sins, Lord. We are really good at hiding them. We are really good at justifying them. We are really good at thinking that some things just have to happen a certain way. God, Bring us to repentance. Bring us to just cling to the cross and to leave behind our sins, Lord. God, we are just so grateful that you love us despite our sins. That you don't put up a hand and say, don't come near. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have made us holy in your sight so we can come to you by full confidence. Despite our Pathetic performance, Lord, because you demand perfection. But perfection happened and his name is Jesus. Thank you for that hope that we can rest in him. God, now bless us as we come to your word. Open our eyes to it. Let us see it. Let us be empowered by it. Fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can live out the faith consistently before you and others. And constantly point to your gospel of grace in all of our life. Thank you for loving us. Such sinners. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, as we've been going over the book of Ephesians, you know, Paul has been hitting really, really hard on one one of the big truths of the gospel. He has been bringing to light that Jesus has accomplished everything we need to have true unity between mankind, between all of you sitting here in this room. That through faith in Him, for forgiveness of our sins, through His life, death, and resurrection, we have true everlasting unity with each other and with Him. So by looking to Christ, we can promote this unity with one another, for in, for in Christ, Jesus, no matter our background, no matter our age or life situation or even struggles with sin, we all have certain core truths that we, that we can come together and unite in. 
such as the Holy Spirit working in our life, the hope of our future together in heaven, the wonders of Jesus and all that He has done and is doing for us, and the Father's glorious love and protection and care over us. For one of the most freeing and uplifting and burden-breaking truths of the gospel message that we all can unite in is that Christ has done everything for you and me by faith in Him alone. Life no, no longer depends upon you, upon your strength, upon your wit, upon your thoughts or your heart. You no longer have to find this inner energy or motivation to live your life under or by. All that you are and all that you do, all that you say, think, and feel, the way we interact with our families, our co-workers, or interact with each other, even down to the things we eat, all of it is through faith in Christ. All of it is through trusting in His finished work on our behalf, and in this we can unite with one another. For through faith in Him, we have been brought into a new way of life. A life that lives by faith alone and Jesus alone in everything. All through faith in Jesus. Meaning strictly by trusting in Him and Him alone. By believing in Him as our Lord and personal Savior. Who has forgiven our sins by His life, death, and resurrection. We have entered into a heavenly spiritual family that is in heaven and here on earth. We've been brought into and made into a a one new body of His people who are citizens of heaven. So the more we recognize these glorious benefits and wonders of the gospel, consequently, more of the power of the gospel will be reflected in our lives to each other and the world around us. The more we live in the freeing and uniting truth of the gospel of God's grace, the more we will push through and break down the gates of hell on earth. And we do this not only through our unity with each other in the gospel, but also amongst our diversity in the gospel. Or put differently, unity in Christ become strengthened by our diversity in Christ. Now remember, right? Paul has been arguing for unity amongst believers, amongst our diversity with each other. So he's not arguing for conformity to each other, that you must look exactly alike. I, I know that might sound a bit weird for how do you promote unity and also focus on the diversity of us. You know, how does harmony, how is harmony produced amongst such a diverse set of believing people? And the answer is to look to Jesus. It's always look to Jesus. He has attained such things for us by faith in Him. Christ has got you completely covered in it. So our text today, Paul is going to answer this question in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Our title then is Christian Unity Through Our Diversity. So we're going to look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, what Paul says here is is so interesting and and it's empowering. And, And this will bring us to our one and only point today. You are gifted to promote unity. If you get nothing else from what I say here today... Know that by faith in Christ, 
You have been gifted to be a person who promotes unity in the church at large and within the local church, our own church. That is one of the main reasons, not all the reasons, but one of the main ones why you exist in this world and why you're here today at church. You are gifted to promote unity in this place. It's an extraordinary thought if you think about it. If you are a follower of Christ, God brought you here today to be a person who promotes unity in Jesus Christ amongst our diversity. It brings a whole new thought as to why you should come to church and why you come to church at all. But anyways, I digress. So, with, with Paul, with all this heavy emphasis of how we're all united in Christ and how we, sh- uh, and, and how we should be, as he said earlier in Ephesians chapter, three, eager, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Right? He says we should be eager in, in chapter 3. For we are the one people of God united in this oneness in Jesus by faith alone. With all this heavy emphasis... Paul is not wanting us to fall into this work mindset where we think it all depends upon us to do it. He is not trying to make or give you new burdens in life, or put more bluntly, gathering in the name of Jesus should not be seen or felt as a chore. He's not saying, okay, you've come to Jesus by faith alone, And he has made you unified with all the other Christians in the world and and those in your local body. So now you are on your own to make this unity thing work out. This harmony thing work out. You better figure it out. Like right now. Paul is not driving in this burdensome question of what are you doing? Like, wake up, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you focusing all your time and energy in figuring out how to live in harmony with all the Christians around you? I mean, I guess he could, right? He could do that. But what hope would that produce in you? What freedom would that bring to your life? I mean, I think it would cause a little bit more despair and a little more stress rather than peace and rest. Thinking that it's all on me to make this Christian unity thing work out. To be in a constant mindset of, well, you know, I'm not exactly sure how. I mean, I guess I'll just have to make it up as I go along then, right? But that's not, that's not what Paul wants of us at all. For remember, the gospel is good news. It's not burdensome news. Paul is wanting us to be uplifted in the Lord, not brought down in Him. Paul is wanting us to see gathering together in His name in the name of the Lord as a good thing, not a bad thing or burdensome thing or a scary thing. He's wanting us to see gathering in the name of Christ as something that confirms and promotes peace and rest in our life. So before we go into this panic mode of this hardcore, I got to be doing more, you got to be doing more, which sadly in the end only makes everything focused on you by making people conform to you and your ways rather than promoting unity, in the Lord. Paul rather wants us to focus as what has already been done for us as individuals to accomplish such tasks. For Christianity is primarily about what has been done, not necessarily about what you need to do. 
which is why Paul opens up with the verse, but, butology, study it. When he says but, it means we're going in a, somewhat of a new direction of thought. I'm adding something. I'm, I want you, you're going this way, but go this way now. He's saying, yes, I have spoken much of the unity that we should be maintaining, but understand you have already been equipped and empowered by Christ himself to do so. This maintaining of unity does not come by your power or ingenuity, but by Christ's power through you by faith in him alone. He says, but grace was given to each one of us. Or put more differently, you have been divinely equipped and empowered to do such a thing that is unique unique to you and your context within the church. Just as Paul was an apostle. It was unique to him. God has, in some fashion, empowered you. Which is why he says to each of us. So when Paul says, speaking of grace as given to each of us, Paul is really narrowing in then on you and your life within the Christian community. No matter what you may think or feel, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter your age, no matter how much you know or how little you know about the Bible, Paul is is, is openly and confidently saying, you have grace in your life, if you have faith in Christ, to live in such a way that will promote unity in the local church in which you are in and the universal church in which we're all part of. So grace means... We're generally used to undeserved and unmerited favor from the Lord. But in this context, and in other passages, it also means enablement. Undeserved enablement to accomplish His purpose through you. So let me put it to you kind of straight. All of you here in this room are enabled by faith in Christ's finished work to accomplish the ministry of the Lord in whatever context you are in, especially when it comes to promoting unity and maintaining unity within this body. Or let me get more in your face. You are never allowed to have this excuse of you are of no use to the Lord because you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not disciplined enough. Or you're too old, or too young, or too busy. Mm, That one, they say a lot. Too busy, or even too sinful to rely upon the Lord to do ministry, to let Him do ministry through you in whatever situation of life you are in. For we all have been given grace, He says. And there is no end or condition of His empowerment upon you and within you. Hence, it's grace. What we have here is that God uses you, not because of who you are, but because of who He is and what His Son has done for you by faith in Him. For for in yourself, of course, you lack the power. In yourself, of course, you lack the qualification. In yourself, of course, you lack the right to do the work of the Lord. But, In Christ, we have been given grace on a personal level. 
And faith in Christ is the means in which we receive it and are empowered by it. So we can be vessels of the Lord's bidding in life. And for our context of this book, vessels that promote unity amongst fellow believers. So just on a side note, when you're out and about in the world, right? And you see all the wretchedness running rampant. I mean, there's a lot of it out there. When you're faced with problems at home, okay, when those issues start piling up, whatever it may be, and you become like <gasps> burdened, or maybe you're at work and you just see problem after problem because of all the evil, don't just see those things, but know that God's grace is at work too in this world through His people. Evil is not alone in this world. For His grace is at work within you to bring hope, freedom, and peace wherever you are. You have been given grace to bring such good things, the gospel, in whatever context you are in, and you will be enabled. In fact, He is all over the world. God's grace is all over the world with all the Christians out there doing the very same thing with them, empowering them by His grace to bring good news of His grace to all and get them through trials in this world. Same with you. And you are the very proof of it because His grace has been given to you by faith in His Son and you will get through whatever you're facing by His grace over you and within you. For Christ has made sure of it which is why we're saved by faith and we receive everything by faith. It's by trust, not how I feel or what I think. It's about what I know and then I know the truth in Jesus Christ. That's how we live, by the truth, not by our feelings. For Christ has made sure of it, which is why he says in verse 7, according to the measure of Christ's gift. So here, Paul takes this empowering grace that we all have and, and narrows it down a bit from a broad sense of being empowered by God to live according to His ways, which will promote unity in the church, to being specifically fitted with some spiritual gift that is manifested in the context of church, that promotes or maintains unity we have in Christ. And it's all by His power, not yours, His strength, not yours, His wisdom, not yours. So we are all empowered by the grace of God and not left to our own devices to seek on how to live in this present life as Christians. We rely upon His grace through faith in Jesus. And Paul says then, each of us have been graciously given a given spiritual gifts or gift from Christ to minister to each other in the Lord to maintain the unity. And the wonder of this passage is that not only does, it, not only does every single Christian have at least one spiritual gift, but it also reveals that Christ has determined how each person in the body will use it or how it will function in the body. For Paul is making sure we understand that it is by God's grace we have been given these gifts, so we must learn to lean in by faith and rely on Him by faith for their enablement in our life. They work according to His power, which He gives graciously. Meaning that we cannot earn them. We cannot enhance them. They're not based on our ability. 
They are based in His gracious giving. It's a gracious gift. They are based in and on Christ and His achievement for us to have them. He is the giver of our gifts and He gives them according to His measure. For we can only receive them. We can be stewards of them and let them work through us by faith in Christ alone. Now the main idea here in verse 7 and what Paul is getting at ultimately is that we need to see that all of us Though we have one gift, at least one gift, we don't necessarily all have the same gift or even the same depth of a gift or gifts, which is why he says given, to the measure, given by the measure of Christ. So there will be a diversity of gifts, a diversity of even the same gift, like the gifts of teaching. Some will be able to teach more in depth. Some will, will be teach a little bit less, but they'll still be able to teach in whatever context. Some will be stronger leaders than others. Some will be more helpful or more giving than others. But whatever the case, all gifts are given to us individually and are, are all intended to have the same purpose, to glorify God. And for this context, they glorify God by promoting unity amongst one another. And to take it a bit deeper, what is also interesting is that Paul does not say given according to our need, but according to what Christ measures or desires for us to have. For truly, honestly, Christ knows our personal needs better than we know our own. He knows what our church needs better than we do to spread the gospel and to maintain unity. And why bring that up? Why mention that it doesn't say according to our need? meaning on an individual level of a personal need. Why, why, why mention Christ, you know, why is it just Christ's measure? Well, it's important because it reveals and really presses in that our gifts are truly about benefiting others in Christ and not about benefiting or promoting self. When we are focusing on what Christ has done and has obtained for us, by looking to his gospel of grace, his gospel consequently will stir selflessness in our hearts and we will by default see others' needs as more important than our own. And this will naturally spark in us to maintain the unity we have in Christ because he will enable us to use our gifts towards each other to do so. For we will be using our gifts to benefit others in the Lord, which is why... Oh, I'm sorry, which is, which is one of the ways that, of figuring out what your gifting is. You will have a passion to see the Lord and His ways manifested in other people's lives by ser- serving them in some fashion, in some degree. We don't all serve each other exactly the same way. Some's behind the scenes, some's in more in front. You have a heart that, that, that wants to respond to the need of the church or those within the church through your serving them for, the, for God's glory to shine in them. And that service can be such as, uh, or, or, or like, you know, with your gifts, can be such as giving, such as encouraging, teaching, helping, cheerfully being merciful, merciful towards someone. Yes, that's a gift. Some have it better than others. Some are like, oh... So glad for you. (laughs) Let me help you. (laughs) 
or leading in other contexts, etc. Whatever it may be, the thing is, is, is there's a need there and God promotes the gift within you. So by implication then, there's another theme in this verse and within the context of Christian unity through diversity. And what is implied then is that the church in the world and the church locally, meaning you, meaning this church, relies on you. Relies on you to be using your gifts so that his people will flourish in him. This church to flourish in him relies on you to use your gift. For the gifts are not given to you for yourself, but for others in the church to be encouraged in the Lord. All Christians then are in the ministry in some sense. For all of us have a gift to be used for the Lord to benefit His people. One person said, The church needs servants of all kinds and instruments of every sort. Pen knives, which are pocket knives, as well as swords. Axes, as well as hammers. Chisels, as well as saws. Martha's, as well as Mary's. Peter's, as well as John's. You know what this means then for everyone in this room? All of you who know Jesus Christ, you on an individual level, you play a vital role here in this church through your service to the Lord by exercising His gifts through you. We as a local body will greatly benefit from it. For the Lord's grace will be magnified through it. I, as a pastor, will benefit from it. The person next to you will benefit from it. Other ministries in this church will benefit from it. And more precisely, we will stay unified as you let the Lord exercise His gift through you by faith in Him. Now before you start going to thinking then, well, does God really need me then? No. He does not need you. Acts 17, 24 through 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So he does not need you, my friend, but he does use you. He uses you as his broken tool to plant his beautiful and everlasting kingdom. He uses you because he loves you. He cares for you and is protecting you. And he wants you to experience the power of his grace in your life. To see how sufficient he is. And to see his power of grace being worked around you and through you. And to see his gracious hand working through his people. To say that this is God's church. It's his people. And he's accomplishing his will just fine. And he's using you. He wants you to rely upon him for everything so you can see him provide everything you need and the people around you need so that we can be unified as the one people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on a side note, for this is also true here, life is not a bunch of rainbows and 
pie in the sky and squishy pillows. On a side note, for those of you who have realized your gift or gifts, and maybe someone was rude to you, and you're now becoming tempted to quit using your gift because of someone's ignorant remark, or because someone has hurt you, or because you feel that you're not appreciated, don't give up. Don't grumble about it. Don't grow better in it. But keep going. Keep serving. For you are using your gift to benefit God's people, not you. But God, God sees it. And He is using it, despite what others may say or think. He gave it to you for His glorious purpose. For He has given you the privilege of, to use His gift or gifts to know Him more and know, and, and know that since it's from Him, it is benefiting His people, even if they don't see it. He does, for by His power alone, for it's only by His power alone that good will come from it. And it does come from it. For Christ has accomplished it all for you by faith in Him. And is finished. And by the way, that applies not just to the church context alone, but that is the, that is the main context, but this also applies to your home your, with your family or work life. For example, if God has given you the gift of serving or encouraging or whatever, don't stop relying upon His grace to minister that gift to those around you. Just... Uh, around you with your family just because your family or your work doesn't appreciate it or maybe even mocks it. Keep going. You have a Savior who earned that gift for you and will empower you to use it to accomplish His eternal will in this world no matter where you are. For your Savior will not fail you as you are led by Him in faith to use the very gifts that He gave to you for the benefit of others and others in the church. Christ cannot and will not fail, and He will not and cannot fail you. So take courage, your church, your Christ has won. He is victorious. He is the ruler of this world, and He loves you dearly. For He will provide everything you need to get through this world. Even though you sin against Him, He is greater than your sin. You have been completely forgiven and completely restored to His Father to be embraced by His love and empowered by His grace. That's the beauty of just the gospel. The ministry He's accomplishing through you, the gift that He has given you, He will enable you to live it out. And it's never done in vain, but it is making a difference that will last for eternity by faith in Christ. So just rest in Jesus so he has, because He has done it all for you, and know that it will always work out for your betterment in Him. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to come up, you can pray if you'd like. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I pray, and I know many others pray with me, that we are able to let your gifts shine through us. Because they point to you. For the greatest gift given was Jesus Christ. And His very life points to you. Points to Him. 
points to your grace. Lord, if someone doesn't know you in this room, I pray they come to know you today. That they say, I am in need of a Savior. And they simply trust in you. God, I pray for those who are in ministry, in some, uh, serving in some official context of a teaching or serving, that, Lord, that they be encouraged to keep going. And those who are not serving in an official context, but serving as a local body through just volunteering or giving and, or loving or praying or, or, or hearing, or, Lord, that they too be encouraged. For, Lord, all of us work as one body. One part is not greater than the other. All are vitally important. For all of us play a role in your kingdom. And God, sometimes that role is even the the smallest aspect of teaching, of just encouraging the person next to you to say, it is finished. Sometimes those are just the words that people need to hear from someone that they don't even know much. To know that Jesus, your son, has done it all. And that is expressing the gift, Lord, of simply encouragement, encouraging others in the Lord. We all play a role. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand.